Welcome in to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Luckett talking ball with you a week ahead of the start of the early signing period. And as always, we're brought to you by our good friends at Port Royal Plants. A great stocking stuffer this holiday season. Visit portroyalplants.com right now for all of your CBD needs. They've got full spectrum, all organic CBD. It's the best of the best. Kentucky proud. I'm telling you, this, this balm, it, it, it'll change your life. It'll change your life, especially back pain, joint pain. They got you covered, uh, whether you're using that balm or any of the other products. They've got uh, Epsom salts, uh, organic bug spray. It's it's great stuff. Check them out at portroyalplants.com today. Look it. We have signing day right around the corner, early signing period. NSD and ESP. ESP doesn't roll off the tongue quite like NSD, but I, I still prefer to call it signing day. Yeah, I'm, I very much in all my writing. I've just been calling it National Signing Day. Just that, yeah, like you said, it just doesn't feel right. Let's be honest. This is uh, the National Signing Day. This is yeah. the day where everybody will sign ninety-ish percent of their class here, and so they, this, all these in homes we're seeing this week, another big official visit weekend on deck here. This is. You know, this is nut cutting time, Nick. Right? This is this is time where you gotta you know get it done and close. And Kentucky has put themselves in position where they this has got a legit chance to be top thirty class, which historically is pretty not it was great for Kentucky, but in the Snoop's tenure, that's right about average. Where what mm-hmm. where they're usually hitting, it, but it's not maybe what we thought could be. It's not the last year's class, twenty twenty two. Uh, but it's got a chance, I think, to be be a solid class here for Kentucky. But they do need to close on some guys here as we as we uh, close up shop here in the in the in, in this recruiting cycle. Yeah, and we'll get to kind of who they're pursuing, various targets, where coaches are visiting, and whatnot in a moment. But we're actually going to start um, another podcast. Another podcast. Will Levis was on Pin It Deep last night, and uh, Max Duffy asked him about the offensive woes from this season. Here's what he had to say. I mean, I think – I don't – I really don't – from a philosophy standpoint, I feel like it wasn't too different. Um, but personality-wise, they're, they're really different on the ends of the spectrum. I, I feel like uh, Cohen is a guy that is, 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 can easily have, like, really good kind of personal relationships with dudes, whereas Stangarello kind of has a more professional approach to it. And um, – but I, I, I go back and try to kind of find out what really was the difference from a play calling standpoint compared to last year. And it wasn't, wasn't really too different. I think a lot of the concepts that we tried to run this year um, that, that Coach Skangs had, had seen a lot of success with at the NFL level, just simply um, for one reason or another, whether it's, it's, it's the hashes or just kind of the types of defenses that we play and the tendencies that we saw that just didn't work out at this level that we had, we had predicted, you know? Um, and I think it was just like each week, it was, I feel like it was less often we had prepared for something or drew up something. Um, less often did it play out the way that we had expected it to um, from a look standpoint or just a um, execution standpoint compared to last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still kind of ask myself to this day kind of why we didn't have as much success as we did. Um, and it's hard to kind of put my finger on why exactly. It, it, I'll go. <laughs> um, Rich Gangarello just—I don't think he knew what he was getting into here, Nick. I just really—I don't think. Like to me, what Will was saying, they weren't prepared for games. That's what—that's how I kind of took that. Um, like they didn't scout out competition well enough. They weren't prepared. They didn't have answers like they did with Cohen. And I think personality-wise, uh, like he alluded to at the beginning, I think it was a better fit with Cohen than it was maybe with Rich Gangarello. Um, to me, that's really how I took it. They weren't – they weren't – it just didn't seem like they were they were cool. as well-prepared to me to to execute and go out and do their jobs and go score points. I think that was cool. – and that was what we've been talking about, I think, all season was – that it just was, it didn't look right. It what just wasn't good enough in execution. I think in the red zone issues. I think highlight that 
because you have a red zone package every week and it's stuff you practice and you should have things schemed up and it just never works. Well, and for me, it it doesn't sound like it was a lack of effort. Yeah. It was a lack of uh, knowledge it, or expecting adjusting. The yeah, expecting and adjusting. Like they're going to do this, and it's like, well, what if they don't? Right, like that, that. That I think was the problem was that there was an expectation when they had the game plan that things were going to go a certain way, and when the defense gave them something different, they were just ill prepared for it. Right, like they just did not know how to adjust and, and and could not execute on the fly. And I think it's really reflected too on just, I mean, look at how they started games this year. The amount of three and outs. Uh, Kentucky scored on his first position eight times in twenty twenty one. They only did four times twenty twenty two, and I think three of those were. Hell, all four actually might have been against non-conference opponents. Uh, come to think, no, Louisville wasn't one of them. But I mean, that well, right there. first possession. We three and out Louisville start the game. Yeah, exactly. Three and out punt. So I, it it does check out though. I, I think it kind of reinforces what we've thought all along in how Kentucky wasn't equipped offensively to combat what defenses were throwing at them. Yeah, I just. This is just me in judging and pulling from what I saw. I just don't think he understood what he was – What I'm not saying uh, Rich Gangarello is not smart or a good football mind or this or that. I just don't – the college game and how games are played in the SEC, I just don't think he – I just don't think it ever clicked for him, like how to figure it out, how to adjust on the fly. I think um, that was part of the issue with Cohen too. I think he had to learn, all right, hashes are different. Right. These are these are how they're gonna play us. This is how we're gonna do this. We need to maybe hit them with some tempo. We need to hit with some more QB run. This or that. I don't think for Skangarella it just it seemed like it it never came, you know, and obviously the offensive line issues made everything a lot harder for everybody involved. But like Nick will go back and like some of the stuff he said was just alarming. And then the opposite kind of played out. It was it, to me, it just seemed like he just didn't know what he was getting into, like the the preseason comment about offensive line and being able to put put together a pass protection plan, and then they come out first game and they just look awful against a, a, a front they should have dominated. Bring on the blitz, old Miss week. Mm-hmm. They bring on they bring the blitz and you're not prepared for it. You don't have any your quarterback gets hurt, and then it was just uh, it was all all kinds of that stuff. Um, and then saying like. He talked about after the Georgia game how their their offense just matches up better with Georgia. Well, like, uh, I mean, yeah, in a sense, but like, that's not you're not playing Georgia every week. You got to score no matter who you're seeing and move the ball whoever you're seeing. I, I it just, I just don't think it was a fit. I think it was square peg round hole, and it just it didn't work. And I think that's why we're making a change here, or why Mark Stoops is making a change here, in my opinion. Yep, and. We know what the change is going to be. I'm sure you heard about it on this feed or one of the podcast feeds or the KSR YouTube channel. We discuss Liam Cohen's addition next year. It's not official. Uh, it's just been reported. And the uh, the way that Sean McVay talked about it, he was essentially like, yeah, we've discussed it. And if he wants to go back there at the end of the year, then he can. He essentially just said, yeah, I'll let him finish the year. And then – uh, well, he'll get, he'll be back, Kentucky fans. Don't you worry. That was that was Mort's exact report. But uh, uh, on to recruiting, because uh, it is recruiting season on a lot of fronts. We actually just got a recruiting update um, in the middle of the show because Vince Marrow is down in Bowling Green uh, right yeah. now visiting Jansen Don. Which Jansen, uh, I I don't know what what character. Uh, was there a Chris Jansen that was like a famous athlete or something? Am I... There's a country singer named Chris Jansen. Like maybe, uh, maybe that's middle of the road like... country singer. Yeah, yeah, just like some bro country guy. Yeah, um, but it sounds more like a last name. But he was the number two player in the state of Kentucky, a top 150 prospect in 2021. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he got hurt going into his second season at Ohio State. Um, but he could be a viable option for at cornerback for Kentucky next year. That was unknown to me, but he hasn't played this year. Um, he's only played one game on. He's only received defensive snaps in one game at Ohio State in a two-year career. Um, okay. He's played some special teams this year. 
um, but just didn't get on the field. And Ohio State just made a coaching change, and they carried Coombs was their defense coordinator when he showed up, and mm-hmm. then they switched over to – they had a weird thing last year, and they switched over to uh, – well, Jim Knowles this year came from Oklahoma State. So, obviously, right, a scheme right. change going on there. Ohio State played him – he's played nickel safety, and I think they were tra- training him – Training him at cornerback this this year, and so my question with him is just like, what position does he play? Um, I would believe they're going to want him come in and play outside cornerback potentially, mm-hmm. and so we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, he's gonna he he already is a target, and he's going to be someone we'll need to follow here moving forward. So there, there's a there's a lot of movement in the portal, but let's focus on high school prospects first because the portal. You know, that, that that can kind of happen whenever, right? You can't enter your name after January, but you can commit uh, for a while. Uh, basically, once you're in there, you can commit whenever. Uh, but players are just going to want to get in there for spring practice, which I'm assuming Dunn will want to do. But a, as for the actual high school football recruits, uh, as you said, it's in the nut-cutting time. And there's a, there's a handful of guys Kentucky's trying to get, I think, uh, of the – We've got a dozen so far up on KSR. Offensive, five on offense, seven on defense that the Cats are trying to close in on. Obviously, they're not going to get them all. They've already got 15 kids committed in this class. And it seems like they're pretty solid. Kobe Keenum was a guy that is getting pushed and pulled in a lot of different directions, but he's throwing L's down. That, that feels pretty confident they're going to be able to hold on to him. Uh, same with Anthony Brown, who had a strong senior year. So, uh, look at my question to you for some of these top 12 guys do you have a here's a guy they uh, who, who's number one on your adam luckett's wish list that's a good question um yeah that's all i've got kendrick gilbert nick like he's got some measurables that you just can't coach Six foot five, two hundred eighty pounds. He's got like a six ten wingspan. Like he's got the build. And if you could, he's committed to Purdue. We know what's going on at Purdue. He hasn't flipped to Louisville like my, we saw Micah Carter and Sadiq Clements do right away. I just think that guy. He checks the the trait boxes, and if you could work with him, and if he comes in with a strong work ethic, I could see him turning into a good player here. He's a guy I've wanted, and I I think it would be a big win for me in the class if they could get him. We know they've been on him for a long time. I think that guy just maybe it's just because we just saw Dion. Not to compare him to Dion Walker, but we just saw a guy who's kind of got like the same build as him, right? And just came in and was just awesome. Right away, we've seen how much length I think matters in the scheme. Length and size, if you have it, you're going to be very valuable. Look at Jamarius Dinkins right now, pushing for playing time. If you go back and watch Jamarius Dinkins' high school tape, it just it wasn't anything really. He just looked like a brand, like he was just just very very raw, just like brand new football player, just all over the place. But now you started to see him maybe put it together here. That would be a guy I, I'm I'm intrigued in for sure if they could get him in the fold. Um, but but it seems like it's kind of gone quiet on his end, so I don't know really what's going to go, go yeah. on there. He, he's been pretty quiet throughout. For me, Kentucky really needs running backs. They, yeah, they just they do. Um, you know, you, you, you're you at a point where uh, you've had some guys hit the portal, you're losing Chris Rodriguez, and there's something about Trey Cornist, right? Like, Will, Wilcox is the more explosive of the two. Um, and he, he got a huge bump by rivals uh, as a top 150 player now. Clemson was on him a lot early. Auburn and Hugh Freeze are trying to prime away at the 11th hour. But something about Cornus, I, I just feel like he fits that mold of unheralded running backs that's a bruiser that doesn't, in the flashiest, but is just going to come to Kentucky and just be a thousand yard back for consecutive seasons, right? Like th- just this kind of. He got slept on. Now he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he goes out and be, becomes a superstar. He's at Wynton Woods High School. Produced Mike Edwards, Chris Oates. Uh, you swung and missed on a couple of cornerbacks from there. It, it, that that one feels like a good one to win that could ultimately turn into being a, a really good running back for Kentucky. He just fits Kentucky's prototype. 
what's worked here. Yeah. Yeah. And so under just, like under undervalued big tailback who maybe doesn't have breakaway speed, but it's a guy that can come in and play early and be someone you depend on and you look up and he was just a boring twelve hundred yard rusher. Yeah. One year. Right, right. Uh that yeah, I could definitely I could definitely see that. And for him, if he they added him, they we'll see what happens with Vandy transfer Ray Davis, but they need a bigger body here. Yeah. yeah. They need a guy that can convert on third and two. And so I could potentially see him maybe carving out a role as a true freshman if he's added into the class, which it's looking like that's probably going to be a signing day announcement there on the 21st. For I believe him and Wilcox are both uh, announcing on signing day. Um, I haven't heard anything about the the other offensive players, like when they're – like what English – Gone quiet. Bell, gone quiet. Those are two slot receivers. Feels like Kentucky's going to try to get one of them. Uh, The Liam Cohen factor, I think, plays strong with English, but I don't know how strong, considering Liam's still with the Rams. Uh, Woo Spencer. Like, Woo Spencer could be a very... Like, this could be an early battle that ends up being a war down the road. Because there's a lot of... um, Louisville's got a new coach, right? So there's a no, lot. Really? Of... Oh, really? They do? Haven't heard. But you know how it is. You, it's been you quiet know. on that front. There's been nothing going on in the city of Louisville, like no, no, uh, no smoke screens or anything. See, and that and that's where I'm at right now, like because w- w- right now we've just got a lot of Jeff Brom's back at Louisville. He he got the two guys to flip from Purdue, and then there's just a bunch of smoke, a bunch of smoke on message boards. And a lot of it's coming from uh, Dave Lackford. Like, oh, is Vince going to come to Louisville? Is Carrington Valentine going to transfer to Louisville? And all of them just seem radically far-fetched. And I wonder how much of it is all tied to Chris Vaughn and that gym and aspirations. And I don't know. Do you you wonder or no? That's what I mean, though. Like, I don't know if he's just trying to stir stuff up, if he just wants more attention on his guys because he doesn't have as many right now. Like, really, Wu Spencer's the only guy in this class that he has. So, like, I don't it, – it feels like this could be this this one battle that could start a war between Kentucky and Louisville over the kids that work out at that gym. Yeah, my biggest takeaway, just, Nick, is it's just not going to be a walk over here with Braum at Louisville in-state. They're going to get kids. They're going to get players. So there's going to be battles here back and forth. And so, you know, you got to figure out, do you, okay, sometimes in recruiting there's takes for, uh, like, for down the road, right? You take this guy off and get this guy later. Hmm. There could be maybe situations like that, especially if you're dealing with aspirations and, they have a lot of kids there, right? They, they produce yeah. a lot of D one prospects. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to keep that relationship strong. You want to keep that relationship strong, so you got to do what you got to do to do that. But they're going to be that Jim's going to sink his Louisville now. You know, Scott's like the joke was Scott Satterfield didn't even come visit the gym like when Keontae was there. Right, right. That's going to be the not the case anymore. They're going to come down and get kids out of there. So, I mean, Jeff be, already did at Purdue. Yeah. You know. Right, right. So there's going to be more heated battles, and so that's that's really my big takeaway is just in state, Louisville is going to get guys now, and they're not just going to go to Purdue or somewhere else. They're going to go to Louisville, and so Kentucky's going to be facing more of those guys. And from Kentucky's standpoint, if you eva- if they evaluate them and they say we don't want them, there's going to be some more criticism down the road potentially if they go to Louisville and end up being good, right? And so you've got to be, you know, good with your evaluations, right? Smart with your scholarship capital. It just makes, I think, the in-state recruiting, there's just going to be, there's one, there's going to be more attention on it because Louisville's a threat now. And two, like, there's going to be times where they probably lose a head-to-head to to Louisville. And how does that look? How do they handle that? And all all that. So it's just going to make following recruiting, I think, here locally more interesting. Yeah, and I, and I think it has more significance and impact politically than it does 
X's and O's wise because from a like there are other places like this out there in PA uh, in Nashville. I, I forget the dude's name that runs it, Bob but Fitzgerald. like, yeah, Barry on Brown, the Wades, uh, Shamar Porter, I think has worked out for him. Now you got Demetrius Bell as a guy who who's playing for him. Uh, Cutter Bowie's their quarterback. Like you can you can establish relationships at other uh, D one football factories and be fine. But there's just going to it, it's going to have a much bigger magnifying glass on it when it's Louisville that you're recruiting against in the city of Louisville instead of recruiting against Tennessee in the state of Tennessee. So something, something and we'll be keeping a close. A, a close history file. has told us that it's going to be hard for both of these schools to be good at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in time, that when Kentucky started, Kentucky started getting good under Brooks. They started getting Louisville players. Myron right. Pryor, Corey Peters. Myron, Corey Peters. Myron, mm-hmm. Myron Pryor wasn't Louisville. Was no. Myron Pryor was Eastern High School. Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, there we go. And then when Louisville was had their run, right, with Cousin Brian. Brom, like, they yeah. got bo- they lightning in a the bottle there with Bush and Brom at the same time. And then Spencer from Mail, yeah. Spencer and Juwan Spillman and Earl Heyman, all these players. Oh, your boy Vic. There you go. Vic, well, Vic was a little after, but yeah, I mean, right. So that that just lasts a long. That that can go back and forth, but if you stretch out of a lot, like how many impact players is the city and state producing? It's not a lot. It's very no. little. Yeah, it's a you over over time. Point. There's some some years where they rise up, and some years where it falls down. So. You're gonna make your hay recruiting in other areas, but it's still important to protect that backyard, like you said, for politic reasons and mm-hmm. all of that. And so that's just gonna be it's just gonna be more difficult now with Rom in town. It just is. So they're gonna have, with how they recruit Ohio and the decisions they make. They're just gonna be more, I think, analyzed now with a with a legit yeah. kind of recruiting body. They're have to gonna have to go against whereas Satterfield and them just. And Petrino, too, I think, just folded over and just didn't care, really, right. about recruiting locally. And that's going to be different now. Uh, defensively, some of the guys that UK is trying to close in on, they had some visitors over the weekend. Uh, I'm really intrigued by Rico Walker, the versatile linebacker. Lucky that was a former North Carolina commit. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how invested I should get because it's, it's hard to get a feel for that kid, because it—I don't want to say it seemingly came out of nowhere, but it kind of did. Uh, well, I mean, the most difficult thing I think here, like the last year following Kentucky football recruiting, is they just keep a lot of things in the dark. Like well, they're just not, not a lot that we know. They're surprise visitors all the time. Yeah, yeah. There probably will be a couple this weekend that'll pop up on our radar on Thursday or Friday. So it's just hard to tell. Like, how long have they been recruiting this guy? How long have they been on him? Right, you know, have they been have they have they been in talks with him for a long time here? You, you just don't know. But um, they're up against Maryland. It seems like and Mike Loxley in that program are as good as closers as there is when it comes to recruiting and getting like na- late national signing day flips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that that's gonna be tough. But but we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I mean, you start looking at that edge room and he Rico Walker's guy that just got. Long arms, freaky traits that you could maybe turn into something, and they're and they're kind of stacking high ceiling players in that room, and so that's a lot to get you excited about, I think, because you don't have to hit on all of them, but you hit on one or two, and then you're yeah. really in a good place. Right, right. Um, and the other one that's kind of similar, Austin Newsom, is I think he was supposed to visit last weekend. Now he's going to visit this weekend, uh, and it's Kentucky or Iowa, which is you don't you don't see that very often. Yeah, especially ahead of the bowl game, uh, but he's also similar in that uh, he can play inside or outside. I think he's got some comps, like Jamin Davis comp is probably going to be thrown out a lot with him. Him and Grant Godfrey, I think, are a little bit similar. Where where you have him now is probably not where he's going to play. He's probably going to gain thirty pounds here in college, and so what does he look like when he gains that weight? Nick, like some of these guys that come out of Iowa, we're probably dive it. We'll dive into Iowa later, but they get some freaks on defense, man. Jack Campbell. 
especially in the back seven. Like, yeah, like they've yeah. got linebackers and safeties all the time that are like, mm-hmm. man, this guy's good. How do they find this guy? I mean, they got another walk on starting at safety now who's a badass. Uh, they just that, that that state produces them, and so if you go into Iowa and get this kid over Iowa, Kansas State, Minnesota, all these guys, I I think that that's going to be a pretty good win. That could be a win we look back on and say, wow, that was a pretty good recruiting win there for Kentucky. But he's another guy they've gotten in on late, and let's be honest, they need linebacker. Uh, Godfrey's a good win, but they really do they really could use another linebacker in this class because that room's getting thin quick. Um, so they need to they need to get some bodies in there for Mike Stoops. Early signing period, it's Wednesday. Uh, we'll have shows in the afternoon kind of wrapping up uh, how everything went down. I know Freddie's going to join us, and uh, we're going to discuss all the additions. So expecting maybe a couple commitments from running backs. That's just to keep your eye on. Uh, but there's a lot that can happen between now and then. So yep. uh, hard, hard to tell as we speak. Um, like it, you did say something that really jumped out to me, though, is What's he going to look like when he gains 30 pounds? And I can tell you um, what it looks like to gain 30 pounds at college. And it's usually just it's pizza and beer. It's a different uh, it, 30 it, it, pounds there, buddy. <laughs> but I know, uh, I know, I, I know what you, I've been through that stage. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. And especially this time of the year when it's a lot of sitting behind the computer, a lot of uh, putting the kids to bed, firing the computer back up and uh, getting a bogging away. Uh, Kamari Anderson was uh kentucky's latest addition the kid from cincinnati who or not cincinnati he was cincinnati commit he's from detroit and like it i'm, I'm just glad we're still getting cast tech kids coming in yes those dudes like they're freaking ball players they just are i don't i just freddie hammered that point home when they got square back 1700 years ago and he was just a middle three-star recruit but dude's a ball player uh dion walker comes in is a game record right away I don't know if he can be a game wrecker right away, but this dude looks like the kind of tight ends they brought in and made an impact as freshman in 2022. Yeah. Uh, Under Armour All-American here, top 500 recruit, two-way player, play tight end, defensive end for a good high school program. You see physical power when you turn on the tape. But you also see a guy that can move. He's a little raw, but you see a lot to work with there. He's already, I believe, 6'4", like 225, so he's going to be really good size. And, yeah, you get – like, to me, the takeaway, we've seen Kentucky get two guys from Castex, Square and Walker, and both of those guys were better than their high school tape when they got here. Like, they were able to play right away as true freshmen. And if Kamari Anderson maybe follow that same mold, he's going to be able to potentially be – possibly tight end three next year. Um, or he's going to be some guy, a guy maybe similar to Jordan Dingle where they want to get him some reps as a true freshman and then put him into a role as a redshirt freshman where he's playing. So I think this was a really nice win, especially after some of the movement and departures they, they're going to have in that tight end room. And then long-term Dingle, Josh Caddis, Kamari Anderson, all three together. It's a good-looking trio. And then we'll see what Tanner LeMaster can do as well when he gets in here. But uh, – very nice recruiting win here to be able to complete the flip from Cincinnati. And man, if you're a Cincinnati follower, they've you've seen commits go to Wisconsin, you've seen commits go to Kentucky, you've seen commits go to LSU, you've seen commits go to Oklahoma. That that's tough, right? Like they had a really really good class it seemed like, and it's kind of coming apart at the seams. So Satterfield, pick it up. He he's gotten some of his Louisville lackeys to follow him, but it sounds like most of the California kids are going to end up at Louisville. Did Sanker, has he has he said anything? He said he would have to think about it, but they're all – I forgot about this rule, but when there's a coaching change, you get to second OV. Like, you get to OV to your school, like uh, the cool school you're committed to again. Okay. And all those guys, all those California kids, Sanker, they're all coming, coming back in. this weekend. That's now, huge for them. Now, yeah. they did get a flip. They're the kid from Co- – down in Atlanta, Colin Hill. I think Jaden Davis is his name. Yeah, he's, he's he's going. He flipped to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Now that was, but he was like their linebacker coach, Derek Nicholson. I think he was most the guy doing most of their damage in Georgia, and he got him. But yeah, but for the most part, it seems like all those California kids 
are going to stay. We'll see with Sanker. I think Michigan State has been the other one kind of. If he flipped, it'd probably be to Michigan State, but we'll see how that develops. Ooh, it's uh, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts right now, but Kamari Anderson on board. He got Kentucky up to number 33 in the only three consensus rankings. And like you said, it, I think the overall sentiment, though, Luckett, is if they close the right way, get a couple of these running backs, uh, land some potential impact guys on defense. The fears we had early on about this recruiting class, like it's going to end up finishing probably right on par, right on schedule where they're, where they're typically at. Yeah, I think so. And then it's all going to come down to Nick. Do the top guys hit? And then are they? Do they hit on more than they missed at the bottom of the class? Right. I mean, that's right. typically how a class works. If that, if that, those two things happen together, it's typically going to be a good class. But yeah, it's it's definitely there. I think I don't think it's unfair to want more. I think it's fair to be worried about offensive tackle. Malachi Woods, the only offensive tackle they got, and he is mm-hmm. very much a project, I think. And so there's questions like they waited till the last minute here kind of to address inside linebacker outside of Grant Godfrey. And both of those guys, I think Newsom and Godfrey can be kind of tweeners. You can see them both hitting, but they're kind of – there's gonna they need development, both of them. Neither one of them is going to be able to, I don't think, play right away. And so it's going to be – we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I think there's a lot to – there's enough to pull from the like to believe like this could be a good class. And for base where we were, I would say in June, July, I think that's that's a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like Cornus and Jamarian Wilcox could be two good kind of late running back finds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that is, that's good, especially after you lose Khalifa Keith to Tennessee. Yeah, Wilcox had 2,000 yards and 29 touchdowns. Uh Cornus had 1,623, 27, something like that. So, uh, productive senior years for those running backs. Let's get to the transfer portal, shall we? It is portal season, and uh, one of the biggest guys in the portal, one of the most popular players in the portal, uh, visited campus this week. Quarterback one. That many, that's what many people are calling him in the transfer portal. Devin Leary from NC State, he officially – do they is it official visits do they get the stuff they got to get the stuff comped right yeah they're ovs for them um i'm pretty sure yeah i don't know how they like if they're limited and how many they can take but uh he's on campus uh he got there tuesday i'm not, I'm not exactly sure when he's leaving but look it uh, i'm curious your thoughts we we did a lot of litigating amongst the fan base over graham mertz <laughs> Only for him to visit Florida last weekend and for Leary to be the first player brought in. What what are your general thoughts on Devin Leary? I think he's probably – it's weird. Uh, the injury history concerns me. It concerns, it concerns me big time. Two of the last three seasons he's gone out, played four games in 2020, played six games in 2022. Broke his leg, and he tore his pec in his throwing arm. Two random injuries, mm-hmm. but injuries nonetheless playing football, so they count. Uh, so that that is concerning. He's like when I, I guess because we we don't really have a long track record of Liam Cohen. You were I was just thinking like guys with big time traits like athletic athletic traits, and I don't think Leary necessarily has that. But what he has, I think, is the highest floor of anybody available in the portal. He's very accurate in the short to intermediate game. He's a quick processor, makes really good decisions, and he doesn't have a power arm, but he shows good ball placement on vertical throws, and he threw a lot of 50-50 balls at NC State to give his guys chances to win. And then when you go and look at NC State's offense, uh, Tim Beck wasn't, I would say, the best offensive coordinator, um, but they were still still able to score points. With with three years with Tim Beck, he was 17-4 as a starter, Nick. You know, QB win stats aren't everything, but their losses were to – they lost at Miami with Tyler Van Dyke when Miami got hot last year. They lost at Wake Forest last year. Wake Forest finished 11-3. and They lost – what was their other road game? At Mississippi State last year. We know how hard it is to win in Starkville. And then they lost at Clemson this year. So, like, he's not – like, the games he lost has been on the road to good teams. 
Right, right. And it's a lot of wins, and they're averaging over 30 points, and he's posted good numbers. This past year, he took a step back. The numbers weren't as good, and that gives me a little bit of caution. But he does have a high floor, and if you can keep him healthy, I could see it happening. My worry would be, like, if you got a guy like this, you really need to lean into that decision-making and just let him throw the ball around, especially to your playmakers at receiver. Yeah. Um, let him get the ball – Throw it, throw it around, get it ball out quick to help your O-line and let your receivers go and just make plays on the outside. Like potentially with him throwing 50-50 balls to Dane Key, I think could be fun. Tight ends were have, had good years with Leary, his first two seasons with Beck. So that, you know, you want the tight end to be involved, specifically Jordan Dingle, that's that's encouraging. And he, he like I've said, he's, he takes care of the ball, makes good decisions. You can lean into that, but... We know Mark Stoops wants to kind of be run heavy, and so just seeing how they kind of balance that out. But I get the allure for him. It's one and done. It's kind of dangerous game to play because you might be in the portal again after this year, and the injury concern really scares me. But I, I get why, uh, why they why they would like him. Yeah, thirty five touchdowns and only five interceptions in that twenty twenty one season. You're really pointing to, I and. I actually think he was better in 2020. I know everybody points to the 2021 season, but his four-game run he had in 2020 was pretty daggone good. And then 2021, he was just consistent. And another thing with Leary, he played with a lot of bad running games. I think they were sub-80 in yards per rush every year he was a quarterback. They could never really run the football. And they had an NFL guy there with Bam Knight. He's playing well for the Jets right now. And they still couldn't run the football. And they had an – like a – First round left tackle, right, Nicky Aquanu, and they just they struggled to run the ball, but he still made it work. He found the ways to be productive. He wasn't, I would say, super efficient or super explosive, but he made good decisions, got the ball out on time, and can play with rhythm and had some clutch moments. If you go and dig into his tape, uh, made some big throws for them to beat Clemson at home, which was kind of his marquee win at NC State in twenty twenty one. I got you could. I think it's very easy to see it with with him and I think the high floor is really important here um, because I think Kentucky knows they can't really miss here so getting a guy that you know can get the ball to your players is really the most important thing here so we'll see if they can close I think it was this is his first visit Nick getting you yeah. on campus I think that's pretty telling yeah yeah I do as well the the you you said the most important part to me which is just high floor right it feels like the margin of error here other than the, the injuries, line. right. Other yeah. than, but if he wasn't for the injuries, he would be going to the draft right now. So it's kind of <laughs> right, a double-edged exactly. sword when you consider it that way. In the portal, all these guys are going to have some level of baggage. Mm-hmm. But there, I think there's a lot to potentially like like about Leary. So that gets us to what they're going to do to protect him. And um, we're kind of playing the waiting game with some of these guys. Marquez Cox. Thought we might hear something this week on him. Still have not. He was supposed to visit last weekend. Um, and what, what was you had a, a good update on Savion Washington as well at the Kent State. Uh, right yeah, now. pretty much. He was supposed scheduled to OV Oklahoma State last weekend, but Oklahoma State picked up a commitment from a Texas State tackle transfer today. I'm not super up to speed on Oklahoma State's offensive line personnel, but. You know, I don't know if they're going to look for two tackles, so that maybe creates a situation for Washington. And the thing with Savian Washington here is his head coach at Kent State, Sean Lewis, went to Colorado to be the offensive coordinator. And Colorado offered right after Kentucky kind of got involved. And so does he just want to follow him there? I think that's the big question. Yeah. Because he, cause Marcus Cox is a true left tackle and Savian Washington is a true right tackle. There's your bookends. If you could get them, but I mean, it's the portal. Things are gonna. There's gonna be more developments all the time, so it's not in the world if you miss on him. And so we're gonna have to wait and see how that plays out. But that's definitely somebody I think Kentucky's looking at right now. Yeah, um, we mentioned Don, who UK visited in person. They they also visited Ray Davis in person, and I think he was supposed to visit last weekend, but now it might be this weekend. Try, the portal visits is I. It feels like it's impossible to keep track of that because yeah. one thing I found too that's different with portal kids is they know that college coaches don't want anything out there, so they're much more tight-lipped than their high school counterparts. 
Yeah. And then um, I think cornerback here, J.Q. Hardaway, Nick, Cincinnati transfer. Yep. Was on campus, yep. official visit. Be a big one. But um, a guy that entered the portal earlier this week or last night. So Tuesday night was Deuce Chestnut, Syracuse. Played two-year starter at Syracuse. He's out of Camden, New Jersey. Same high school as DJ Wagner. He's pretty oh. good. Um, I think Kentucky's going to be involved here. And if you, there's rumors about Carrington Valentine maybe going pro right now that are floating around on the deep cuts of college football Twitter. That you know that would be a potential replacement. I think regardless, Nick, they need to address outside cornerback here in the portal. And if Valentine leaves, they probably need two guys at cornerback. Because they've got an ish, they got a thing setting up right now where they could just have a lot of nickels and not outside cornerbacks. Like you look at Andrew Phillips, yeah. potentially Vito Tisdale coming back, uh, Jansen Dunn. We don't really know. We think he's going to be an outside cornerback. We'll have to wait and see. They just got a lot of like nickels right there. Alex Safari, right. like what long term? Where is he going to go? They got they've got bodies, but they don't really like do the pieces all fit. And that's sure. something they're going to have to figure out. So I think getting an outside cornerback, at least one that can come in and can be an instant starter you can depend on, which I think Deuce Chestnut would be. That would be that's a name to watch. They and somebody like that they need to they need to get. Love the name Deuce Chestnut too. It's just it's great. It's great 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 football name. I also saw. There's a dude from Texas A&M that entered the portal, Smoke Bowie. What a name. Yeah. All-time name right there. Uh, man, great stuff. Portal, though, it's staying busy. We're still playing the waiting game for commitments, but there's a lot of guys visiting, coaches visiting elsewhere. It's pretty active. Um, and all of this just to build up to bowl season. Um, you know, we're uh, it's here. It snuck up on us like it. Starts Friday. Nine games this weekend, too. I think it's because the calendar's weird this year. Like, it's um, – I, I don't know why it feels like everything is so tightly wound, but, like, kids were holding signing day ceremonies because they won't be in school for the actual signing day. So, like – A mock signing day. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just kind of – just get it out of December. Like, just get this thing moved, ripped up, and let's go to February. It's just, it's all. Like the football weird. gods intended. And now, so now we've got bowl season starting this weekend, nine games. I'm very much looking forward to watching Troy and UTSA on Friday. A couple conference champs duking it out on a Friday afternoon. Um, a lot of ball games, though. Love it. Um, really looking forward to. Uh, when we start getting the two or three games a night, like that's the World Cup stuff. It was people had stuff on Twitter, but I'm just like, but it's not a bowl game now. It's not the same. <laughs> you need same. you need real good old fashioned American football. Yeah, <laughs> America. Um, <laughs> but I, I I'm looking forward to it uh, to getting some action back on the game. It's also weird too. Like I've been I I was throwing on a lot of. Uh, Maxion on Tuesdays and Wednesdays while like doing stuff in the background, not having the the random college football games on. It's not the same with random college basketball. I just you know yeah. like the uh, college basketball is so up and down. It's not like yeah, uh, like you can follow from afar much easier on college football, just down and distance stuff like that. The game just moves slower, right? Less possessions, um, all that. Less action. There's breaks in between plays. Forgot what I'm my train of thought. Oh, the best, good thing about bowl season is you kind of get that, but you get it early in the day, like during the workday. You got games going on. I think there's, I think the Bahama Bowls, Bahamas Bowl on Friday is like a noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Eleven thirty or something a.m. Yeah, we get uh, a, we get the keg of Satterfield eleven a.m. Saturday, and then throughout you, uh... the, throughout the week, you just get day games all the time. So that that is a very nice little perk, especially for those that work from home and can have a little side screen action going on. Did I ever tell you my brother's Bahamas bowl story? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've told it on this podcast. Okay, good, good. Uh, getting drunk in the Bahamas at a bowl game, a lot of fun until you have to go to practice and they don't have uh, water yet for potable water for you to drink from. But, um, 
That the the Western's Bahamas Bowl win, very funny. What do you think of uh, Troy Walters getting hired at Troy Taylor? Troy, no, Ryan Walters. Sorry, Ryan oh, yeah, Walters yeah. Okay. at Purdue. Because um, I I thought they would just try to do the Brom thing, but I it feels too. like they're like, no, we're just going to go back to doing Big Ten West stuff. Yeah, I just it I found that very interesting. I thought for sure they. It felt like that their messaging was that this is what's worked for us. This is what we're going to try to get, like this offensive background, QB background. But um, they had a guy in their division who just was a top, had a top five defense, and so maybe they're thinking that can translate. We'll see. Uh, Walters did a good job. I thought he was going to get that Colorado job, and then Coach Prime mm-hmm. happened there because he played at Colorado. He he deserved a chance to run his own program. So I'm interested to see. Like with all these hires, Nick, it's all for a lot of them. For me, it's about your coordinator hires, and we didn't have a we had a coach hire a coordinator this week. Um, he's not a new coach. I would highly recommend all of you all to go watch the Shane Beamer's press conference today. Yeah, and this isn't lucky just being a hater. It's one of the most remarkable opening ten minutes of a press conference that I've ever seen in my life. It's fascinating. It is very much him dogging South Carolina fans, dogging South Carolina media, and pretty much drawing his line in the sand. I'm right, you're wrong. Piss off. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, Nick, this is going to be laugh out loud hilarious. Like we, they will be pulling audio clips of this oh. if it ends up being bad with Dow Loggins. It's going to blow up in his face. And what's remarkable to me, too, Lucky, is that Satterfield was already crucified for lack of – I mean, people did not like him down there. So what do you do? You hire a guy that nobody likes. You hire the next Marcus Satterfield. Like, it seems like the next Marcus Satterfield. I mean, maybe. on day one, you know, we could have had a hot, flashy name, but that's – <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Oh, oh your hot boards. I could yeah. hire anybody off your hot boards. And then he, he says, Gene, I read your story today. And what yeah. Did you just look up his stats? Well, did you call Bill Parcells? Did you call Sean Payton? Did you talk to Alshon Jeffrey like I did? And he just starts name-dropping all these references for Dow Loggins. And it's like, man, if this doesn't go well, you're screwed, Shane. You're totally yeah. screwed. Yeah, and it – you know, Dow Loggins was a finalist for the Kentucky job last year. He dropped that he turned down an SEC coordinator job. Oh, yeah, which is like, okay, he turned it down. Yeah, that's I'm wondering – well, if it wasn't Kentucky, because I don't believe he got turned – he turned Kentucky down. And he might have been – that might have been a secret candidate Stoops maybe wanted to talk to again this year. But I, it, we'll see if the Loggins works. I mean, like – got NFL background and then he was with Kendall Browse and he had time in college so he's kind of adjusted so I, I can see a path for maybe that why that would be attractive and maybe working but if it doesn't work man he is really this is yeah. gonna this has the potential to blow up in his face and like I said just you need to if you just go watch it like it, it is Shane looks distressed he's like I mean he's very animated it is well he's, he's called his college football's online coach you know, he's reading all the message boards. He's getting on Twitter. He's jumping on podcasts. And he's, he hadn't liked what he's read this week about Dow Loggins. <laughs> and he's coming out swinging. And it's just, well, if you and if you dig into South Carolina, they are really upset about this hire, uh, Dick. Because they thought, like, all right, Satterfield era is over. We got a chance to go out and be, let's go be good on offense. Let's go get somebody good to be our coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, not a guy who hitched his wagon to Adam Gase and is a tight end coach. And then it had to be, was an analyst and then Arkansas hired him to be a tight end coach at their alma mater. Um, that's not what they were really hoping for. And like with Beamer, the cell, I, I would have to think the cell was when they hired him that he had ties to Lincoln Riley and he could probably go get a proven offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And that his first two offensive coordinator hires were Marcus Satterfield and Dow Loggins. It just feels like, was yeah. that really the plan here? Like, is that what, we wanted to do like what is going on and so and they're paying very, logins very, a million a year this. to be yeah a three million over three seasons set similar contract kentucky gabridge gangarello it's just see if it works man and a lot is riding on them the spencer rattler decision because they've already had the culture king has lost some good yeah. players yeah um, on offense with jaheem bell 
who had a disappointing season, um, probably because of usage. And then Marshawn Lloyd left, who was really good. And it sounds like he's probably going to go, like we talked about Loxley, Maryland. It sounds like that might be the spot for him. He might go back to the DMV and go to Maryland. Then it becomes, you know, if Rattler leaves, then they're in a kind of a tricky spot, I think, potentially on offense. So <laughs> let's see what the old Dal Loggins can do. I know he's a favorite of yours, Nick. I know we had some private conversations about oh, when that man. name leaked out for Kentucky last year. It's uh, – what a mess, what a mess. <laughs> I just – oh, you can envision it, though, like this, like blowing up in Beaver's face. Would be a real shame if it did. Would be a real, real shame. I'm very interested to see if he keeps this energy throughout the off season. Like when he gets into spring press conference, media days, if he's still, if he's still fighting back. Oh, I I want to see Notre Dame just squash him, right? Like hold him to seven points or less, and just really, really make life difficult for him this off season. Mm-hmm. Because he was extra chesty after the way they ended things with Tennessee and Clemson. It would be a real shame to if Lucy picked up that ball from Charlie Brown. Ah, would be a real, real shame. Yeah, and Beamer wants you to know he's done stuff that hadn't been done at South Carolina lately. So just keep that in mind, South Carolina fans. Oh, man. Well, this has been a good show. Hopefully it doesn't get uh, too outdated by the time we get it live because there's been a, there's a lot of stuff right. moving. Right. Stuff taking. happens fast right this time it of year. It happens fast and furiously, but we'll be here to uh, cover it all. Kentucky Sports Radio, we appreciate y'all subscribing. Appreciate y'all checking out Portland Plants. And uh, we'll be back for more. Like I said, uh, if, if things pop off, we'll, we'll hop on the YouTube. We'll go live. Um, and we'll also be back with uh, a show on Signing day next week, Wednesday, December 21st. It's going to be chaos, and uh, we're here for it. We're here for all of it on 11 Personnel. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. See you.